Hello and welcome once again to the Foxfire Farmhouse. I don't know what that is. The barley is blowing in the breeze. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. Yes. Here at the farmhouse. Spring is coming. The, uh, the wrong time for barley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the spring barley. Yes, the, the spring the, the type. Spring, yes. The spr- That's my favorite yes. barley. <laughs> Nothing like curling up on a nice 70 degree day and having some barley soup. <laughs> some <Yeah>. beef and barley. <laughs> it's mm. my favorite. Is anybody else time. sweating? Bring, <laughs> brings me back to my childhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Staple dish of the yes. springtime. You know what I, yeah, yeah I, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Oh, well, hi, my name is Josh Bartels, and I'm a, one of the hosts here at the uh, Foxfire Farmhouse, a place where we talk about all things storytelling and dig- digital media. And I'm joined, as usual, by Elijah Heyman. The one and only. The one and only. One of a kind. One of a kind. He's the only Elijah Heyman I know. That's good. That's yep. good. And it used to be the only Elijah. <laughs> but that has changed. <laughs> and then that changed. Yeah. Yep. But nonetheless, we are here and we are ready to talk Shout out to Elijah. all things storytelling <laughs> and digital media. That's kind of our shtick around here. And uh, we're going to get to that here in just a moment. But before we do, we like to talk about things that we've been experiencing that are cool. Cool things. So, what's been cool? Uh, well, I was thinking about it, and uh, I was just thinking about more experiences that are cool instead of a movie or song or whatever. Yeah, plenty of those things in the brain. But um, at work, uh, I've talked about it a couple times. We watch movies uh, during lunch. Uh, nice. it's something that we started. One of the guys brought in a trashy DVD player that he had in the closet that he was going to throw away and doesn't have a remote and you can only hit play. So we have to watch all of the, all the trailers and you hope that the breaker doesn't pop. So that way uh, (laughs) you you have to start the movie over again. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, so I was just thinking about that and just uh, how it's a cool way to get everybody off of their phones during lunch yeah, and uh, to do something communal nice that you guys can all share together and, uh, I mean, it's produced some really cool conversations about the movies, and since I was the one who, one of the ones who really instigated it, uh, I'm able to curate good movies, even though the occasional bad movie comes in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a, uh, it's fun. It's a, That's it's cool. a fun experience. Just get together and, like I said, conversations go out throughout the day, and we're talking about Braveheart or The Magnificent Seven is what we're watching right now. Oh uh, yeah, good. Get to talk about westerns. Which one? Uh, the new one. Okay. The Washington, Denzel Washington and yes, Chris Pratt. Which I, which I enjoy that one a lot. Not as good as the original, but yeah, still good. It's but. a d- little bit different. Not a different story, but it's it's a yeah. up, updated take on. I really story, like Antoine yeah. Fuqua's like directing style mm. and just the way he worked with the actors as well. It was it's a really really well done ensemble film. Yeah, and yeah. the style is very unique compared to like it wasn't trying to be like your old school western. Right, it just kind of did yeah. its own thing. Yeah, appreciated that. There was a movie on Netflix that maybe I've mentioned here before, but it's called "The Harder They Fall," mm-hmm. and it's uh, it, it had that kind of modern take on a western that was really fun. Yeah, similar to a Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. So it'd be in the same. If you're a fan of Tarantino, this is kind of in that same uh, heritage, I guess, of movies. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a ripoff of no. Tarantino, but it certainly feels like a development from him. 
Exactly. But, yeah. It just takes those themes and then kind of blows them out in more of a modern direction instead yeah. of. Yeah. And it's, and, and you know, with those things come pluses and minuses, but they're, uh, they're enjoyable for what they are. Yeah. yeah. What about you? So, uh, I've been wa- following your recommendation and watching cool. making fun with my kids. And that has been a real treat. Like that's yeah. been so much fun. I love that. So show. my son uh, has a has a cardboard cutout now of a dinosaur he wants to build, kind of copying the dino, oh, dino taco thing from the yeah. first episode. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like mocked it up and got it ready. And he wants to. He's got some wood that he's stored up in the garage, and we're gonna try to make up a little wooden dinosaur. So yeah. And, yeah so he's so it, it's just really cool that these guys. Uh, for, for anyone who didn't listen to that episode where Elijah recommended it, it's a show where it's just this guy and several of his friends mm-hmm. who have a shop out in upstate New York, and they are on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, and they get uh, they get uh, kids calling them saying, "Hey, we want you to build this for us." They choose one of the kids' uh, projects and then build it themselves, and it's always over the top building things. Yep. There's a dino taco. There's a boat. That's a guitar. There's all sorts of wild things that they end up making. Eight yep. episodes, so eight different kind of things. But in watching the guys make these projects for these kids, your kids are both engaged because it's fun, goofy things, yeah. and they're able to watch then the fabrication of these items. And so, of course, it spawns that kind of interest in my son of building stuff and in the girls and, you know, it at least shows kids how things are made that things yeah. don't just appear you know that there's a there's a process and craftsmen behind them and kind of getting an idea of what those tools look like so it's really cool That's i awesome. highly recommend mm-hmm. uh, going and watching it on netflix yeah check it out and now our feature presentation so this week we are going to talk a little bit about uh storytelling and the creative process in general. So I wish I could say I had made a movie to talk about this thing, but this is probably why I'm, this is exactly why I'm talking (laughs) about it because I haven't made a movie and because I want to. And uh, that seems like a daunting process. And there have been some things I've read and watched this week that have uh, been really interesting on that front. Yeah. So you've, you've written some stuff, though. You've put some things together, made some films. Yeah, I've written, like written little things. I've made some home films as a, yeah. as a kid. Made some films with uh, other friends. I've always been the friend to the, the filmmaker, usually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of filling in little roles here and there. Been a stunt coordinator, editor. Awesome. Uh, actor, director, all of the I, I love the credits of short <laughs> films that yeah. are like, you know, one name for super everything. long <laughs> credits, but they're all just one name. You know, it's like, well, you could have just yeah, put, the best you know, boy. Yeah, same as the director. Just put yeah. your name. Second but, unit you know. director. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah like, so why was it a second unit? Well, we used our mom's car instead of yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've I've done a, a little bit of things here and there. It's yeah. Been, so I've been a, I've been a part of a lot of projects of, of making stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, so so specifically to get into it, I'll yeah. just get into it the way I got into it, which was uh, watching a on YouTube. There is a documentary about how to train your dragons. Uh, so, of course, we've talked about that film before. I love that film and the, the entire Great trilogy. That's <laughs> yeah, the best. But it, uh, the, the, I was looking for some. I was just interested in some behind the scenes of it. So I found this documentary. It's like an hour long, but it's put together from footage. The director of the film 
he, uh, let me see his name, Dean De, De Blois. I don't know how to say the last, De Blois would be how to read it <laughs> if I read it not like a Frenchman. De Blois. De Blois. De Blois. And Chris Sanders on the first one. Yeah. So uh, Dean, though, has a camcorder that he just rolled all the time. That's so during cool. the process. <laughs> and so there's so much footage that he has. Yeah. And it so it's a really interesting documentary because it's not like, you know, they hired a behind the scenes crew and this mm-hmm. is the like on set photographers doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. This is just him like recording stuff. And so it, it's it's really great. And so they do some interviews that kind of like bookend the thing and and uh, kind of give it some structure of throughout the whole thing. But it's it's really fascinating. Uh, at the same time, I'm also uh, doing some like art study, I guess, on the book uh, or on the movie, uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines. We've talked about that one on here before oh, yeah. too. That's on Netflix and uh, another animated film from Sony Pictures, and uh, it, just a really, yeah, really good. So of the same vein and the same people who made uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, they just came out with another one recently. I think Ron's Gone Wrong was a Sony. Really? Was was that Sony or was that Disney? That was Disney because that. It's on Disney Plus. I don't know if it. I don't think it was Sony. Now that I'm talking about, it, I don't think there's. No, I think there's it's another party. Um, uh, I think I. So I think the guys from Klaus did some of the uh, layout. Did they do work. storks? Perhaps I'm not sure. I think they might have. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, some really good yeah. uh, animation recently mm-hmm. coming out of these studios. And so as I'm reading all of this, one thing that was fascinating to me specifically with the documentary, mm-hmm. is how some of the moments in the film that I thought were like make the movie, mm-hmm. it were not conceived of until way late in the process. <clears throat> so for instance, in the documentary, they, are, I mean, they're late in the process in terms of story building, character design, that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and, and so, I mean, they've already started doing there's a lot of there's a lot of balls moving at this point yeah. uh, in terms of the production to where they're kind of like okay this is almost a final go ahead and then we're doing final animations final uh, renderings and kind of like the detail work mm-hmm. uh, and that's when they come up with the idea of of Hiccup losing his foot which in my mind is just one of the most beautiful parts of the trilogy so yeah. if you haven't seen the trilogy or if you have just to point out the the arc that like. Uh, the movie starts with this little scrawny kid who takes down a dragon with this catapult machine thing mm-hmm. he has. And in taking down this dragon, though, he uh, damages the tail so it can't fly. Yeah, it takes out like half of the wing or whatever, the yeah. gliding. So he's, yeah, so he's unable to fly. Mm-hmm. And he goes to try to kill him, and he doesn't have the heart to kill him. Mm-hmm. So he cuts him loose. Dragon takes off, but can't get out and ends up getting stuck in a ravine kind of because yeah. he can't fly. So then, of course, he becomes friends with it and the story goes on from there. But then by the, at the very end of the movie, him and this dragon are flying. He's helped him build a, build a, just with his mechanical skills, he builds yeah. a fake tail and is able to kind of use it to f- fly him by shifting into different positions with, uh, so he, in order for him to fly, Hiccup has to fly on him. So there's this yeah. like, uh, synergy between them that's what's the symbiotic yeah, yeah yeah like a symbiotic relationship, <laughs> relationship between them and then by the end of the movie he loses his, his foot so now he's damaged yeah and he has to have the dragon hold him up mm-hmm. at the end of it 
and then that whole thing goes throughout to the very last yeah. movie bookends that arc <clears throat> yeah yeah it's really good mm-hmm. and then even in the like trilogy mm-hmm. by the end hiccup has to let uh toothless go and he has to he creates a he does he has the technology basically to let him fly on his own but he hasn't been doing it mm-hmm. uh because of that symbiotic relationship and he has to let go and start trusting an astrid his wife to be mm-hmm. and so like it's just it's a it's a lot of beautiful stuff happens from yeah. there but that came that idea came yeah. so late they were thinking about like should toothless die like that was one of their options yeah and they're like but then we don't have a sequel so yeah. what, what do we do <laughs> you know so they were trying to figure that out and then that was when that idea came up and now That's i'm so like cool. <laughs> what in the world so i say like i'd love pieces like that mm-hmm. because uh for someone who wants to make movies or is interested in kind of storytelling with digital media and, and building yeah. those kind of projects, we tend to look at the finished piece uh, and say, okay, I've got, I've got, you've got the finished piece, so let's deconstruct this. How did they get here? Well, obviously, they started with a script. So they had their script and their story yeah. nailed down. And then they went on to how are we gonna, what do the characters look like? Mm-hmm. And they designed all these things and put them together. And then they went to this and this and this and this. And so it kind of feels like when you deconstruct it, there should be a really nice, clean, linear, linear nope. line. <laughs> and it just is not that way no. at all. Yeah. It's That's just so cool. wild. And, and what I think is fascinating, why I thought it, thought, it, thought it was fascinating is just because sometimes I think that being a professional at your work or, or like being able to do this kind of thing mm-hmm. means that you are able to do it with this like super neat and tidy process mm-hmm. and you get start working on it and then it turns out to be really hard yeah. and your first draft is terrible and then you know your character designs just don't sparkle and they don't look good and then you go on it, just all of the ideas once you actually you have like this seedling of an idea that's yeah. like oh this would be an awesome movie mm-hmm. and you start working on it and you're like oh this is terrible there's Dude, nothing there that's that happens like all the time when i'm like dming for like dungeon mastering, uh-huh. I have a very like. There's times I've designed it to the T, like everything that will happen, all the beats. This is what the direction that they'll go, and then in the middle of it, you guys like ask a question as to like, what about that? Or like, <laughs> I'm, I think of like, oh, this would be really cool if this happened like right now, uh-huh. and I and I like, like I would say like a good, probably sixty percent of the game is off script. Like yeah. when I play with you guys, like I'm making names up and on the fly and like all, all these different things to make this story cohese into mm-hmm. one. And typically like when we play games, it's like those moments that you guys love. That's the moment that I really, <laughs> I really improved and I had to like twist, yeah. like it has its place to like have something solid and you always need a good framework. But yeah, that happens a lot where <laughs> you have to mess yeah. stuff up like that. And then that ends up making it. And then people go, oh, wow, that was yeah. a really good twist. Like uh, the the whole, when you guys played your game, there was, a, there was a scene where you guys came into, you guys were like, oh, uh, does the druid have a room? I had not designed the druid's room. <laughs> I did not, like, and then I threw, there was a dog in there, and there was a, there was a pool in which you guys spoke yeah, to it was a pretty f- the it hag. It felt like a real, <laughs> really that, cool room. That entire room was made up right in that moment. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, all the dialogue and all the characters, and the, I hadn't even figured out the hag yet, because you guys weren't even going to get to this this witch character that you guys had to kill. Yeah. All that made up. But that's awesome. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. It's like... Uh, I don't it just it just shows that so much of what we see as being carefully meticulously planned yeah. it's just not 
and I, and I think that like that sometimes so that in, in I look back on a lot of this thing, my growth in specific skills mm-hmm. of doing something. And when I'm young in a skill and I'm really aspiring to be good at it, yeah. then I want the list. Tell me how to do it. What do you do? Mm-hmm. How does this work? Give me the like guideline that's going to kind of unlock the whole thing yeah, for yeah, me. A numerical right? order. Yeah. Give me the Lego <laughs> instructions yeah. and I'll be fine. Yeah. But the truth is, is that the skill set, when someone knows what they're doing, it's not so much like, well, I'm going to tell you what we're doing. It's like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to just take the materials that I have and I'm just going to do with it. And I'm confident that I have the skills necessary to turn these raw materials into a chair or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, whatever the project is yeah. that is happening is that, okay, I don't know what we can do with this, but I, I can take this and run with it. Right. Like I can, I can make something from it. And, uh, and a lot of times that desire for like clear plans are yeah. really kind of a sign that you're still amateur. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> It's like when, when you know what you're doing, you realize how volatile the work is. And so you, it doesn't mean you don't plan. It just means that you're not putting so much stock into the plans because you know things are going to change. Yeah. Right. I remember a very interesting piece from Andre Tarkovsky's book, Sculpting in Time. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, Andre, Andre Tarkovsky is a Russian filmmaker who made, I think, seven or maybe nine films in his career, like very few. Mm-hmm. And he died young. He was exiled from Russia and I, I think lived in Italy for a little while and then uh, died in Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, he, and, he, and I, I love his films. They're really interesting. But he says in the book that like eventually he gave up on any kind of storyboards or anything. He's like, I don't know what the movie's going to be. I, I haven't seen the room we're filming in, right? Like mm-hmm. that th- so much is shaped by reality in terms of just the room that how in the world are you expecting me to come up with storyboards and why in the world would I do that? I know the essence of the story and I'm going to show up and shoot what I see. Yeah. And it was just a really fascinating like take mm-hmm. on making a movie. Cause typically when I'm like stressing about some, when, whenever I've done things, I'm stressing about the details and it's like, no, if you're professional, just trust your instinct and your gut and show up Yeah, and, and not, not even professional in terms of like, you've got this badge, but mm-hmm. just trust your instinct and your gut and do something with it. Yeah. And then, when you get to the cutting room, you're going to see all the problems that you had yep. that you didn't know, the shots you didn't know you needed, and you're going to have to figure out a way to make what you've got work. And then you're either going to go back and reshoot or you're going to do something totally different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so yeah, just like yeah. the process of making things is not super straightforward. Like just just yeah. go make stuff. Like yeah. I think that's the that's what's fa- what, what's so encouraging to me about this, like reading this stuff. And even, yeah. even looking at the... Uh, drawings mm-hmm. of the movie uh, and how the movie unfolded with the Mitchells versus the machines in the book. It, the same type of a thing. Like they, yeah. they know they want to make this movie and then they have this certain vision of what the robots are going to be and kind of what the story is going to be. And then it turns into oh wait a second, actually let's make it mm-hmm. more about this family. Let's, you know, like there, there's a lot of shifts that happen that yeah. turn the movie into what it is. Yeah. It just changes the whole thing. Yeah. I, I think that I definitely like, that could happen in any movie. Like I think especially like when you're looking at like the something like the Mitchells versus the machines where you got like comedy and mm-hmm. like it's m- never more apparent than in comedy like that, like, Oh yeah, they're just ad libbing and they're doing all this right. stuff. But you yeah. never think that you're watching a Quentin Tarantino movie or something. Yeah. And he's pulling something out of an actor on the day that changes 
changes stories and he has absolutely to go, this changes something i have to change all this stuff and yeah. like now now okay well that's better i like that i like what, yeah. what i'm getting from here now this needs to move and that that's really what what hap- what's going on in the director's mind is that he's constantly troubleshooting and having to resynthesize the whole yeah, film right. into something else and like you're saying even up until that movie sees goes onto the silver screen that movie's in production yeah like, absolutely like it's it's pretty it's pretty an amazing thing to watch yeah and I, yeah what's interesting <clears throat> Another thing that's interesting is like there's I think the two different way I mean there's probably tons of different ways to make a movie but mm-hmm. two big a contrast to what you just said yeah in terms of the director kind of being the coach of this team that he's not he, he's not playing Madden on the computer and mm-hmm. he's actually coaching people who are going to make decisions and he's yeah. not the one pushing the button and making the calls mm-hmm. and so he just kind of sets them up trains them and puts them out there yeah uh, it's kind of like that's what's happening in a movie mm-hmm. but people uh, Alfred Hitchcock. They people talked about him as being the guy who, when you showed up on set, the movie was already made. You were mm-hmm. just making the pictures for the movie that he's made. Yeah. So that he was super, uh, super anal about the details. Mm-hmm. So he kind of had the storyboards. He had the screen, the the script. Mm-hmm. You're going to say what I want you to say. You're going to do what I want mm-hmm. you to do, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Uh, you're here to make my movie. I've already made my movie in my on paper, mm-hmm. and you're just going to execute the thing. Yeah. And so I think that there there's a continuum between those two directions. Yeah. But that's kind of there are different different there's yeah. different methods of yeah, different yeah. methods of of doing the whole process. Like and and that just comes down to who you who you are. Yeah. And how you operate. Like you just need to find the way that works effectively for you and right. can achieve the vision ultimately. What what will get you that vision? And are you yeah. satisfied with a different vision than what you started with? Yeah. And I think that that's that's always helpful. In that, in yeah. that sense, to where would you sit on the, on that creative <laughs> line of like trying to? I love, I love messing with things. Like I like yeah. having a really nice story, but I really love input from people. And I, for me, I, I get really easily frustrated if something isn't necessarily jiving, and I like to pivot. So like, if like in in the scenario, in this imaginary scenario where there's an mm-hmm. actor, and I've hired this actor, and they just aren't giving me what I like. Well, like their their acting ability isn't what I wanted, or it's 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 tilted in a different way. Yeah. Then things need to change in that character. Right. Uh, that need to change the whole thing instead of maybe firing them. I mean, it depends on what the movie is and all yeah, that. But yeah. if I, I, right, I had right. full creative control over a movie, I would I would try to craft that role or change it, pivot it to fit mm-hmm. that character better. And that's happened in in plenty of movies where uh, a character is meant to die. Like uh, if you go to Stranger Things. Um, the boyfriend, there's kind of a bully who has the bat. Yeah. He was meant to die. But the director loved, like, just loved his acting. I was like, no, he's got to stay around. Same thing with Poe Dameron in the Star Wars movies. Okay, yeah. He was supposed to die, but Oscar Isaacs was such, like, a, a gift to the franchise that they kept him alive, and they had to change the script while they're doing it, even in this huge movie. Yeah, right. They had to change that. Yeah. Uh, but then you have movies like uh, Back to the Future where they have to change like this, they shoot the whole film and this actor is just not like they watch it afterwards. They watch in the dailies and he's not getting it. So you have to mm-hmm. change the actor. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm more on the conservative work with what's already given to you yeah, instead yeah. of making everything shift for the vision, mm-hmm. having a collective creative vision and maintaining the, the helm on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the way yeah. I, I think I've, about it. I've been a part of both like mm-hmm. under people who have, uh, We've not done movies, but we mm-hmm. but I've been directed a lot in terms yeah. of shooting, and 
so we've done, so I've shot a short film for a guy, a friend of mine from school who went on to film school. I DP'd his film mm-hmm. and then a, uh, me and a friend back in Tulsa, we made our own short film. And so I co-directed slash DP'd that one. Mm-hmm. And then we've, I've done a lot of, uh, I used to work for a television show. So a lot of, a lot of direction from the producer on what we were doing. Yeah. And so, uh, I think that I enjoy the, I, what I don't enjoy is the in between that is just arrogant, uh, is just arrogant, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, so there's one end of that where someone is confident, they know what they want, and they're like, no, here's what we're going for. Mm-hmm. And they've got a clear vision, and they can tell you what they want. And you as the creator, as the craftsman with the camera or with the sound or editing, whatever you're doing, you can be like, okay, they've shown me what they want. I'm going to work toward that end. Yeah. And there's a clear mark that I can see. Mm-hmm. I was able to produce exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Right. Like, so that is, I enjoy that when yeah. the director has confidence and a tight vision. Yeah. <clears throat> I also enjoy it when a director wants uh, cooperation mm-hmm. and it's like really a, in actuality, a, there's synergy and like, it's just fun to be on set because yeah. t- we're making this movie together. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's fun. Mm-hmm. But then there's the middle ground that I think is the most arrogant where people just aren't confident enough in themselves yeah. to say, here's what I know I want. Mm-hmm. But they're also feel like that being a director means knowing what you want. Mm-hmm. And so they don't actually let people participate in the process. Yeah. And so there's that kind of like, oh, I don't, you know, just do something. Oh, no, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. the, it's yeah. just really rough to work with. Yeah. And so I, I, I really like either of them. As long as they're not in the arrogant middle. Yeah, you know, exactly. Long. Like it's, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's arrogance coupled with like a lack of uh, confidence. Like, like yeah. what you're saying, like yeah. uh, they don't have a confidence in themselves, but they feel like, like you're saying they need it. They need right. the confidence. So it's this weird fake confidence. Yes. Um, and that, that happens anywhere. You have supervisors like that. Yeah. You yeah. have like, it's because yes, directors exactly. are our leaders and that's Absolutely. ultimately what it is. So I think it, it, it works best with a, a situational based leadership mm-hmm. where you know your crew, you know the people who are with you, and you know this guy needs better direction. I do have a vision. Right. So I will give him a vision because he's not confident and he's not jiving with me. We're not doing this. Yeah, exactly. So he needs exactly. A, he needs direct yep. vision. Yep. But this actor, me and him are spinning off each other. I'll let him come in and maybe change the script. Yes. Because right. I, I agree with what he's like, that's Absolutely. close to my vision. I'm allowing him to change my vision and not being like, well, he can't change my vision. But I mean, he's giving me stuff, so it just weird. It's weird, snappy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, you see yeah, directors absolutely. that like that do right. that, or supervisors that like, yeah, just yeah. We all know people like that. Don't have all guts. The, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need somebody with guts and a heart, right? To, exactly to lead the movie. And, and often, what, what uh, the gift? Well, I often say this to people about leadership. Uh, is that like leadership is a gift to people mm-hmm. because it takes the responsibility of the decision making off of the individual, mm-hmm. so that there can be a camera guy who's like. I just want to know where to put the camera, mm-hmm. right? Like, or this is a hard call to make mm-hmm. and the a director can just say, we're going to do it here. Yeah. And then, the, then it's like, okay, well that the, the decision paralysis that was hitting me because I have all these options and I don't know what to do because I don't know what serves the story and I don't mm-hmm. know what you want. Then when you create and you say, no, I want the camera to be Bingo. low. That's what he wanted. Give me a 14 millimeter, yeah. you know, and then I can say, okay, I've got those limitations. Mm-hmm. 
what can I do to work within there to better light, to better yeah. shoot, you know, to make it look good with what he wants. Do they need more choices or less? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that and that can be the type of gift of leadership. That leadership either will give you room to explore mm-hmm. if you want it, or it can give you the boundaries to know where you're supposed to stand if yeah. that's what you need to. Exactly. So yeah, it's yeah. it's an interesting the whole creative process is super interesting because it's so organic mm-hmm. and doesn't uh doesn't exactly follow yeah. <laughs> neat, tidy lines. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, like, if you're good at your craft, you're good at what you do, no matter what you're doing, if you're good at, like, a good measure of that is to, somebody can look at it and go, I don't know, like, they think it's simple. You make it look easy. Yeah, like, right, that's right. that's the thing. Yep. You go, like, oh, how to train, train your dragon. It's just so seamless. But if you just don't go, oh, no, we're, everything's so, all crazy, like, you just... Yeah, that's the mark of an expert who makes it look like they never had any issues when they made yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. They never made any changes. That was their vision for the beginning. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go work on this car. Well, the car's fixed and working. Well, that was my vision from the beginning. I, re- I wanted to replace every piece of the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, they tell you afterwards, oh, yeah, I replaced all these pieces instead of, like, midway through changing. Yeah, exactly. About all that. So. Yep. It's, yeah. The creative process is always going to be fascinating to me, and I hope to be making stuff till I die and beyond. So, Agreed. if you have any questions, comments, send those to podcast at foxfirefarmhouse.com and we will try to answer those and address them. But until next time, thanks for listening. Bye.